0: Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church sermon podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Well, amen and amen. As we always do here at First Missionary, let's just take a second and And give the Lord a hand clap of praise just because he's so good. He is worthy of all of our affection, of of all the adoration, all the love that we could give to him today. Uh, Wow, if there's ever a time to think about just how worthy he is. Uh, He deserves our whole lives. And we just really can't praise him. Enough. Just so thankful. So thankful today that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus conquered sin, death, and the grave for us. Well, I don't have to tell you, you know it very well. We are certainly living in very troubled and uncertain times. And when there are turbulent times and when there's great uncertainty, there's things that people need. They need to be encouraged in. They need to be reminded of. For one, when life's hard and life's tough, uh, people need to be reminded, they need to be assured of God's love for them. Before this pandemic ever hit our world, the pandemic of God's love was already there. God's love was at a pandemic level. Pandemic means all people. We need to be assured, people around us today need to be assured that God, He is a good God. He is a sovereign God. And He loves you. The other thing that people need in difficult times, they need they need hope they need hope that there will be better days and even if those better days don't come upon this planet and in this lifetime hope in Jesus Christ gives us confidence that there will be better days beyond this life and beyond this world, hope can get you through so much. This is our Easter hope. And today we just ask a very simple but very, very important question. Why? Since this hope comes from knowing Jesus, why? Why should anyone, why should you place your faith and trust in Christ today or any day? And the answer is very simple. Because Jesus, He is who He said He is. He's the Son of God. Very God, very man, who died for the sins of the world. Died for our sins on the cross. Was raised from the dead to conquer sin, death, and the grave. Today we're going to look in Mark's Gospel Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 18. And we're going to continue to answer this question. Why can I place my faith? Why should I place my faith and trust in Christ? Mark chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene... When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Siloam, they they brought spices so that they might come... And anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week. They came to the tomb. When the sun had risen. They were saying to one another. And just imagine this scenario with me. On this morning. Many years ago. Who will roll away the stone for us. From the entrance of the tomb. Looking up they they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right uh, wearing a white robe, and and they were amazed. And he said to them, uh, Do not be amazed. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He's not here, almost as if to say, what you're looking for, who you're looking for, can't be found here. He's not here. The only thing there is, is this empty tomb. He has risen. He, he is not here. Uh, behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go. Tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you to Galilee There you will see Him just as He told you. And that's a very, very important point. Just as He told you. Go ahead to Galilee. You're going going to see Him there just as He told you. Uh, They went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Father God, as we come here to share in Your Word today, Lord, we need so much your resurrection power to communicate, to share, to teach. Father, you are reminding me even now that I do not stand here because of my own merit. I do not stand here in my own power, Lord. But I stand here very humbly. Just a man who's trying to capture the essence of this day. But Father, I rest in the fact that you are who you say you are. That you bear witness and testimony of yourself. And you have already spoken through the finished work of Jesus. The cross, the resurrection, is life that speaks even now. So we trust you, Lord, to do that which only you can do. And we give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So why should anyone place their faith and trust in Jesus? Because He is who He said He is. And there are two things that verifies the claims of Jesus. Uh, The first thing that verifies the claims of Jesus, they are His miracles. And there's basically two categories of miracles that Jesus performed. Uh, The first category was what we would call general miracles. Uh, These were miracles that anyone who was empowered by God's Spirit could perform. But then there was another category of miracles that were called the messianic miracles Uh, from the tradition of the Jewish rabbis. They said for many, many, many years that there are certain miracles that if anyone ever does these particular miracles, it will only be God's chosen one, God's anointed one, The Messiah, the one who, going all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the seed of woman who would one day crush the serpent and deliver mankind from mankind's sin. The messianic miracles. The the miracles that only Messiah could do. Last week, we looked at the first one. And it was healing a person who had leprosy. Uh, From the completion of the Mosaic Law to the time of Jesus, no one had ever been healed of leprosy. There was actually provision made in the Mosaic Law, you find it in the book of Leviticus, on what to do if anyone ever came and had a claim of being stricken with leprosy, a leper, and then they were healed. And then that would set off a series of events and investigations, uh, only, only Jesus ever healed a leper. And so when he sent that leper last week that we saw, when he sent him to the high priest to show himself, we knew then and there that there was going to be a firestorm that Jesus was going to set off because they would say only the Messiah could do this. Here's the second one. And we're going to talk more about this next week. The second one was this. Only the Messiah could could cast out or exorcise a mute demon. You say, well, well, big deal. What's the big deal about that? Well, you see the rabbis and many of the Jewish leaders, they had the ability to cast out demons. But there was a Jewish methodology or a, a system or steps that they would take in order to do that. First of all, they would have to gain communication with the demon inside the person who was possessed. Many times that demon would then... Uh, pronounce his name and, and come out and say, like when Jesus uh, with the demoniac and, and the demon said, I am legion. First of all, they'd, they'd have to gain communication with that demon who possessed the person. Then they would identify the name of that demon. Like I said, like in the case of legion, they would identify the name. And then after identifying the name through the power of God, working through them by pronouncing that demon's name, they could then cast out that demon. Jesus did that. However, Jesus also cast out a mute demon. Which means that there was a power that was being exercised outside of Jewish methodology in order to be able to deliver the person who had been possessed. Jesus did that, the second messianic miracle. And here's the third one. The third one had to do with healing a person who had been born blind. Not someone who who, uh, was born with their eyesight, but then over the course of time they became blind. But no, 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 no. Someone who was born blind. And there was many reasons the Jews thought a person might be born blind. Why that happened. And we'll talk about that in weeks to come. But guess what? Jesus healed a person who was born blind. The three messianic miracles Jesus performed. But other than his miracles, here's the other thing that verifies that Jesus is who he said he is and why it's good reason that you should place your faith and trust in him today. It's the resurrection of Jesus. Now, some skeptics would come along and they would say at this point, they would say, a big deal. Big deal. There was a claim that Jesus was raised from the dead. Well, guess what? There were other miracles such as this in the Bible as well. You may not know this, but there are at least nine, at least nine situations or episodes or instances, if you will, of people who were raised from the dead or at least resuscitated. There's at least nine that are mentioned in the Bible. However, what well, you need to know about all of those other resurrections or resuscitations, and even today, we might think about people who, who might have a near-death experience, and, and there are people, and, and based on all medical, all medical information and knowledge, they lost their life. But then something happened. and they were brought back. What makes Jesus so different? Here's what makes Jesus so different. In all of those other instances or situations of people who were raised from the dead, guess what happened to them? They died. They died again. There is absolutely nowhere on this planet you can go today and find a tombstone or a grave marker. That says, here lies Jesus of Nazareth. Even Lazarus, who's mentioned in in the Gospels, uh, the brother of Mary and Martha. Even Lazarus was raised from the dead, but guess what? Lazarus isn't alive today. But based on the historical evidence... And based on the power of God's Spirit. And based on the testimony of what God's Spirit speaks into people's heart, And and Friday morning, as I was thinking about Good Friday, there was something in my spirit that just kept saying it. And just kept going into my spirit and saying, you know, this is real. This really happened. And I wouldn't be surprised. And I share with a brother in Christ later that afternoon, I wouldn't be surprised at all. To come to find out if it wasn't the very day, some 2,000 years ago, this past Friday, that Jesus died. And to think that as I was walking through my life and my day on Friday. To think about what Jesus was experiencing and, and what he was walking through. And, and, and the pain and the agony and the suffering and the death. The burden of sin that he carried upon him. The spiritual separation from God the Father. Not even to mention the physical crucifixion at the hands of the Roman authorities. To be forsaken by people on Friday. Who on Sunday were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A finicky people. Who by on Friday turned on him. And they were the very ones who shouted, "Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him!" There was just something in my spirit on Friday. They just kept saying, "Yeah, you know this is real. This is right. And I want to be surprised if it wasn't this very day, some two thousand years ago." But there's nowhere you can go today and find the marker, find the tombstone. Nowhere on this planet. It says, here lies Jesus. Rest in peace. Why is that? Because unlike these other miracles of resurrection that we find in the Scriptures, Jesus never died again. He lives. He lives. He lives. Skeptics may come back and say, but, but do we have anything other than that? Do, do we have anything more than that? Yeah, the testimony of your spirit. The testimony of your heart. I want you to look with me in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1. Beginning in verse 1. A great writing of, of Luke. One of the disciples. And, and Luke was a physician. And Luke cared about details. He wanted to write an orderly account of what happened. And in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, this is what he wrote. He says, the first account I composed, speaking of the gospel of Luke, to Theophilus. Not necessarily for sure who Theophilus is, but it's really neat that the name of this person is Theophilus. Theophilus which is basically two words, which means God or the one who loves God. The God lover. And it's almost like when you think about it from that perspective, that Theophilus is an audience of someone who loves God. And if today in your heart you're finding yourself having a desire to know God or to seek God or to love God, it's like this is written to you. Luke says... The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. And he said back then, it was his desire to write an orderly, chronological account, paying attention to the details, to be meticulous. The written record. Until the day when he was taken up to heaven. After he had, by, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now, what's this next part? To these, to these disciples, he also presented himself. Presented himself what? He presented himself alive. Why would Luke say he presented himself alive? You would say, well, duh, he had to be alive if he presented himself. But this is in light of something that had already happened to Christ. To these he also presented himself alive as opposed to dead. Uh, Luke is referencing the fact that Christ indeed died. And so when he presents himself, and he presents himself, not a ghost of himself or a mirage of himself, but he presented himself to these followers alive. After his what? After his suffering. And I want you to really pay attention to these words right here. Even say them aloud. Say them in your living room. Say them to the person next to you. Look at these words here. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many, not just a few, but many convincing proofs. Convincing proofs. Convincing proofs. Not just proofs, but convincing proofs. And not a few convincing proofs, but many convincing proofs. Appearing to them over a period of 40 days. And speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. But yet, skeptics still come back and skeptics still say, this is non-historical. Can we really trust? This is non-possible. Can we really believe? This is non-supernatural. Can we really trust in how faith? Many convincing proofs. But let me ask you to do this with me for just a second. Here. let's run through the possibilities. Oh, they said the Roman authorities stole the body. If, if that had been the case, when there were claims of the resurrection, resurrected Jesus, when those claims came back up among the followers of Christ, and there was an uproar in Jerusalem over all of this, if that had been the, cla- the case, the Roman authorities could have very easily just presented the body of Christ and it would have been over, snuffed out, done deal. Some said that Jesus was resuscitated, not really resurrected, skeptics say. But oh my gosh, oh my gosh, if, if you just understand, if you just understand the nature of Roman crucifixion, historical metal, medical examiners tell us one of the bo- most brutal forms of death a person could ever experience. He was scourged. Beaten within an, a, an inch of his life. The way that people would die on a cross was literally from, from a condition of the heart, and fluid would build around the heart, and, and the heart would literally, just literally break down and stop. And not to mention the fact that the Roman authorities, to, to show that the man on the cross had died, they pierced his side. With a spear. Showing that he really died. And to think of this. To think of a person. Who had been beaten like that. Then to be able to resuscitate. And roll back a very large stone. In a very weakened condition. And to do it by themselves. A stone that had been sealed by the Roman authorities. you judge for yourself. Some said these were hallucinations that the followers of Christ, skeptics say they thought they saw a risen Savior. But if you think about the accounts of Christ showing himself by what? By many convincing proofs through the course of 40 days, but then after that, guess what happened? Those claims weren't there. If they were hallucinations and people could very easily continue to have those hallucinations. You judge for yourself. Hallucinations? First Corinthians chapter 15, the apostle Paul. He records what is believed to be the earliest creedal testimony of the church after the death and resurrection of Jesus. if 1 Corinthians was written around, say, 54 A.D. And Paul was converted, say, uh, three to four, five, two to five years after the resurrection of Jesus. Paul speaks of a tradition that was given to him. This is an early creed that is is recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that will put this creed, this testimony... right after these events. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 3, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received: that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, that He appeared to Cephas, who was Peter, and then to twelve. After that, He appeared to more than how many 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now. In other words, it's like Paul was saying, you could go talk to them right now. You can talk to them right now. Yes, yeah, some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. Then to all the apostles. And Paul says, and last of all, as to one untimely born, He appeared to me also. Which comes to the very last thought. Skeptics say the disciples they stole the body of Jesus. But here's what we know. Before the resurrection of Jesus, there might have been a hundred and twenty followers of Christ and during the days leading up to his death and actually at the time of Christ's death so many of them were struggling and they had scattered like a covey of quail and they were denying him and they were running for their lives and and they were nowhere to be found maybe 120 today there's about 2.1 2.2 billion Followers of Christ. What changed all of that? The resurrection. And many of these disciples who were seen seen to be cowardly and afraid after the resurrection, they are emboldened, they are empowered. and, And listen to this so many followers of Christ after the resurrection. They died a martyr's death. Now you tell me, would you die for a lie? Legend has it that Peter was crucified upside down. At any point in time, he could have said, Enough! It's a hoax! We made it up. It's not true. But in that 1 Corinthians passage, One of the greatest testimonies that verifies the resurrection of Christ is the change in the Apostle Paul's life. He was a persecutor of the church. And then he became a passionate follower of Christ. He oversaw the death of people Who claimed to be followers of the way of Christ. And then something happened. Wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. A scholar. An intellect. Something changed his life. It was the resurrection of Jesus. The transforming power of God... To change a life. Verifies. The resurrection of Jesus. And not just Paul's life. But hundreds and thousands and billions of lives. Who placed their faith and trust in Jesus. You see every believer in Jesus can say with Paul, like he said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, crucified with Christ. Paul would say in Romans chapter 6 that for those who trust in Jesus, do you not know that all of us who have been united or baptized, spiritually united into Christ Jesus, have been united and baptized into His death? Therefore, therefore, we have been buried with Him through baptism into death so so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Crucified with Him. Buried with Him so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. And in that, in that, in that, crucified with him, Buried with Him. And raised with Him. One of the greatest miracles that's ever occurred wasn't just when Jesus, when God raised Jesus from the dead. But when God raised Jesus He raised me. He raised us. To walk in newness of life. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He raised us. He raised me. This day, some 2,000 years ago, spiritually, I was in Christ. And when God reached into that tomb and brought Christ to new life, He reached into sin's tomb and the tomb of death. And He brings out and He raises to life all those who place their faith and trust in Jesus. Because when you're in Christ, You get everything that he's got. His crucifixion is yours. His death is yours. His burial is yours. And his resurrection is yours yesterday. 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 I took Brady and Katie fishing. Now don't ask Brady about this because Katie caught the biggest fish and she caught the most fish. (laughs) And we were coming back down this back road after we'd been fishing. And we came by this little pond that many years ago, Brady and I fished that pond one day. And Brady couldn't have been more than five or six years of age. And I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you, this pond is a snaky pond. This is a part off the refuge. And it wouldn't surprise me to see a a water moccasin over there. And so, I did, of course, I, I don't want my little boy. I don't want my little boy. I'm telling you, no father wants his child to be bit by a snake. So you know what I did? I grabbed up little Brady, and I put him on my back. And then after I put him on my back, and I grabbed a couple of rod and reels in our tackle box, then with Brady on my back, I went over the fence. Not only did I go over the fence, but Brady went over the fence too. And then we start walking across this field, and and the weeds were about this tall. And I'm going through the, the field, and the weeds are about this tall. But not only am I going through the field and the weeds, but Brady is on my back, and he's going through it too. Then we get to the pond. And we had to walk around it to get to a place where we can fish. And I'm kind of easing around it. And, and not only am I easing around the pond, but Brady is easing around the pond too. Why? Because he's on my back. And all the while, I am wearing snake boots. There'd be no snake that could bite me because I had snake bro- uh, snake-proof boots on. And those fangs would not ever touch me. And guess what? Because they would never touch me or harm me. They would never touch. And they would never harm my boy. Because my boy was on my back. You've got to understand. That when you place your faith and trust in Christ. God takes you into himself. He carries you. You went to the cross with him. You went to the grave with him. You came out of that grave with him. And the bite of the serpent never came to you. But Jesus did something extraordinary, He took the boots off on the cross. He allowed the bite of sin. And he allowed the bite of the serpent to come to him. And he took a death that you and I deserve. And he conquered it. And he defeated it. And that sting of death will never come to those who trust him. Why should I place my faith and trust in him? Because he is who he said he is. My resurrection. His resurrection. His miracles. Many convincing proofs. Well, today we're going to take a moment to respond to this message. Today, maybe in your life, Maybe in your life, you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ. As Cody begins to play in and we begin to prepare our hearts for a time of response and reflection, if you in your life today, if you've never accepted Christ, then I want to invite you to bow your heads right now. Just bow your head right now. I'm probably going to tell you right now, prayer won't save you. Jesus will save you, but a prayer will bring you to His presence and a prayer will reflect your heart. If you're convicted of your sin today and your need for Christ, then all you have to do is make a decision to confess your sins, to acknowledge them to the Father, acknowledge your need to God and say, Lord, I need you. I'm desperately lost and hopeless without you. I have this evidence but but nothing will ever fill the gap where faith is needed. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith makes that which is not real real. By faith you can place your faith and trust in Christ today. Would you simply pray? Oh, dear God. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've I've never accepted you. Today I'm confronted with the facts of the resurrection of Jesus and the cross. And dear God, right now, Your Spirit is speaking to my heart and Your Spirit is saying, call to me. Reach out to me. Oh, dear God, please come into my life. I acknowledge my sin to You, Father. Give me resurrected life. Bring me out of the tomb of death, of sin and the grave, Lord. Father, I I trust You, Lord. With my life. And I'm deciding right now. To follow you. To walk in your ways. And to trust you as my Savior. And my Lord. So here's my life. Take it. It's yours. In Jesus name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer. If that's the sentiment of your heart today. Would you please let us know. Call one of our prayer counselors and talk with them. Share your good news with them. Get a hold of us. Let us know. Thank you so much for being here today. Cody's going to continue to lead us in a time of response. And then he's going to pray us out. And don't forget, at the end of the service today, we're going to have about a five to ten minute mingle. (laughs) Stick around. Say hi to folks. Say bye to folks. Share some comments. What's your favorite Easter tradition that you have in your family? But I'm telling you right now, if if still in your heart things are unsettled, maybe you're a kid, maybe you're a teenager, grab your mom, grab your dad, reach out to them. Today's the day of salvation. Let it come to your life. Call us if you need to. Reach out. We're here for you. You just need a prayer for anything. We're here for you. Cody. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, and leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.